Hello, everybody, and welcome to That Wrestling Show, the podcast where all pro wrestling matters. I'm your host, Bill Yankovey, and it is Survivor Series weekend. Yes, I know it doesn't really feel like it's Survivor Series weekend, but believe me, it is Survivor Series weekend. Going to preview this Sunday night's final pay-per-view of the year for WWE, Plus, going to review AEW's Full Gear. Gonna also talk about the latest wrestlers released from WWE and much, much more. So, let's dive into the news and we'll begin with updates on both the Best of the Super Juniors and the World Tag League Tournament. Yesterday, or Thursday, was the latest day for New Japan's Best of the Super Juniors Tournament. They were off on Friday, uh, and I will give you their schedule in a minute. But here is the current standings as of this moment. Show is the only one that is undefeated still. He is 3-0. He's at 6 points. Then we have a 5-way tie. Yoshinobu Kanemaru, Duki, Taiji Ishimori, Bushi, and Hiromu Takahashi are at 4 points each. Robbie Eagles, El Fantasmo, Master Wado, Rasuke Taguchi, and El Desperado are each at two points. And Yo is at the bottom of the standings right now with no points. So the action that will be taking place for the juniors uh, in between this show and the next show include this coming Sunday. They will have uh, a day of tournament matches and this coming Sunday. Wednesday, and then they will have a couple of days off before getting back into it the next week. In the World Tag League Tournament, they had some action today, and here are the current updated standings. We have a three-way tie for first, Tetsuya Naido and Sanada, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Toru Yano, and Zack Sabre Jr. and Taichi are all tied for first at six points. One of these teams is not like the other. As in, we did not expect Tanahashi and Yano to be tied for first so early. Uh, then we have a tie, a four-way tie next. Tamatanga and Tangaloa, along with Bad Luck Fale and Chase Owens, Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi, and Great Okan and Aaron Hanare are at four points. Kojima and Tenzan are at two points. And then a four-way tie at the bottom of the standings. Tomoaki Hanma and Toji Makabe. Evil and Yujiro Takahashi. Yuji Nagata and Tiger Mask. And Minoru Suzuki and Takamichinoku each are at zero points. So, their upcoming schedule from between now and the time of the next recording... There's only one show. <coughs> it is this coming Tuesday when the World Tag League will continue. That is this coming Tuesday. So their standings, while it will be a little bit updated, won't be as updated as the juniors will. The NWA announced today their entire card for their next pay-per-view, Hard Times 2, which is scheduled for Saturday night, December the 4th. And the big news coming out of this 
is they are bringing back another title and this is one that I know personally uh, different fans had asked for you know for the diehard NWA fans the junior heavyweight championship will be coming back to the NWA and they will be having two matches one of which is a qualifying match I'll tell you who the participants are in that in a minute and then they're also going to have a 12-man gauntlet match where the winner goes right to the finals of the junior heavyweight title tournament so the two men in the qualifying match for the junior heavyweight title Austin Aries against Rhett Titus Wow, where has Austin Aries been the last couple of years? I'm serious. I'm not even making a joke. Where has he been? The participants in the 12-man gauntlet include Kerry Morton, Aria Davari, Darius Lockhart, Salvinaro, Alex Taylor, Jamie Stanley, C.W. Anderson, Homicide, Luke Hawks, P.J. Hawks, Victor Benjamin, and Jeremiah Plunkett. Again, the winner goes right to the finals of the junior heavyweight tournament um all the titles are going to be defended on this show the nwa world heavyweight title is going to be defended trevor murdoch against mike knox camille will defend the women's title against melina tyrus will defend the television title against kion in a no disqualification no time limits match uh, Bestia666 and Mecha Wolf will defend the NWA World Tag Team titles against The End. Chris Adonis will defend the National Heavyweight title against Judeus. And The Hex will defend the Women's Tag title in a three-way match against Kylie Ray and Tootie Lynn, along with Lady Frost and Natalia Markova, or Mokova. That is, once again, Saturday night, December the 4th, Hard Times 2, and you can see this on Fight TV. This next story is kind of a cool story, and it's also an interesting story as well, because one of the promotions that I think has really benefited uh, the last year and a half has been Game Changer Wrestling. Uh, talked about a few weeks ago how they're going to have a show January 23rd at the Hammerstein Ballroom and they made this announcement today they made this announcement today or last night into today where on uh, I almost said September on January the 22nd they will be having the inaugural Indie Wrestling Hall of Fame Induction Ceremony and Gala. It will be taking place from the Cutting Room in New York City and will be streaming live. Tickets are going to go on sale for this event this Monday. More details will be announced at a later date. First off, I, I just want to say this is a really cool idea to have a Hall of Fame for independent wrestlers and independent wrestling. I think it's something long overdue. Of course, the complaint that I'm going to hear from a certain someone, and if he's listening, you know I'm talking about you. 
is is this going to be a real hall of fame is there going to be a physical building is there going to be this is there going to be that well my thing is is anything a real hall of fame anymore especially with wrestling i mean the wwe hall of fame doesn't have a physical building we've all talked about that for years there are a few that do have a physical building but don't get mentioned there's the observer newsletter hall of fame which a lot of people take as the legit hall of fame of wrestling and now we have another one but it's for independent wrestling and you know this is going to cover a lot of ground I know a lot of people are, you know, East Coast biased, but there is, you know, West Coast as well. I'm kind of interested to hear and see what we're going to get. But what I think is going to be interesting, and I kind of want to, you know, I don't want to take too much longer on this story, but what I think is going to be interesting is that first class. Who's going to be in that first class? for the Independent Wrestling Hall of Fame. That's going to be something to keep an eye on. I I, I really do believe. So, when we get more news um, between now and the 22nd of January, we'll let you guys know. So, last night, uh, WWE decided to cut more people. Yes, they decided to let eight people. They released eight people. From their contracts. Uh, they were told that it was due to budget cuts. Or Hold on, let me do my John Laurinaitis. Oh, we're letting you go because of budget cuts and people power. So, <laughs> these are the eight that, as of right now, no longer work with WWE. And they are Tegan Knox, Drake Maverick, John Morrison, Jackson Riker, Shane Thorne, and the remaining members of Hit Row, Ashanti the Adonis, Isaiah Swerve Scott, and Top Dollar. Um, there's a couple of feelings that I have about these releases. First off is, obviously you feel bad for all of them. Uh, but secondly, to, to release these guys... Right before Thanksgiving. That that sucks. I'm sorry. I mean, these guys, you know, and, and girl, you know, they go on the road, they do their job, and they end up losing their job right before Thanksgiving. That sucks. Uh, I know a lot of people were complaining about John Morrison getting released. I mean, I... And again, I'm I'm not gonna bash any you know, not gonna bash Morrison, but what were you gonna do with him at this point? After the whole thing with the Miz, what were you going to do? That's kinda my thing there. Tegan Knox, I really like Tegan Knox. It's just she had bad knees, she had the the injuries, and I don't wanna say she would have been a liability, but you know, two bad knees it takes a lot of time, but I really think she's going to be fine. Drake Maverick, I really think, is going to be fine. He's going to find somewhere to go. Jackson Riker's one that I really don't know. <laughs> I really don't know if anyone's going to take him. Um, especially with the uh, 
the, the controversial thoughts he had about a year and a half ago on Twitter. I'm not going to talk about that. Shane Thorne is one that, oh my gosh, he and Mikey Nichols better reunite in Japan. They better reunite in Japan. I mean, that's a heck of a tag team. And hopefully they do get put together in Japan. Either it be with Noah, either it be a New Japan. Um, who knows? Remains to be seen. And then there's Hit Row. This, to me, and this is with all due respect to the other wrestlers, this is the biggest surprise. Because they formed on NXT back in May this year? Yeah, May of this year. They get called up to the main roster. They got drafted to SmackDown. B-Fab gets released a few weeks ago. And they were on TV last week. There was a, a bit between them and Jinder Mahal. And now... The three of them are gone. And I'm going to I'm going to be honest with you. WWE completely dropped the ball on Hit Row. I said a month ago when the draft happened and people were questioning, you know, why Hit Row made it on or you know, got put to the main roster. I said they've got a veteran in Isaiah Scott that is going to teach them more. And I really still do believe that. I think if they stay together, you know, once they go on the independence, they're gonna get together and they're gonna they're gonna be fine. I really do feel that way. Top Dalla is a big guy. And from what I've heard, he had been improving, which is something that I think any wrestling promotion really cares about. I know I would. So, as far as where they go, I really don't know. I really... The only one that I'm kind of hoping I get right is Shane Thorne in Japan. Because he was a big star in Japan before he and Mikey Nichols were signed to NXT. I think that's the only one I'm pretty confident about. Everybody else, I really, really don't know. So... One individual who was not happy about the release of one of the people was Taya Valkyrie, a.k.a. the former Frankie Monet, who a few weeks ago herself was released. So, the original post that she had put up, and I'm trying to get this to go here, because Twitter's kind of being a pain in the butt, was basically bashing WWE in a way, without saying WWE. And I, I want to read the tweet. And maybe, I, I hope she didn't take it down, because it was a really good, really good tweet. Um... But basically, you know, it's she was saying how you don't have to be successful by being in WWE. You can go other places 
and be successful. Here, Okay, here's the tweet. Stop supporting a company that has zero respect for their talent. You love pro wrestling. Spend your money on the hundreds of other alternatives. This is wrong. Ethically, as employers, they don't care about us. Talent or fans. That was Taya's reply. And then she put out another tweet that basically said, F them. And you know, we're now getting into the age here of WWE that while financially this is the best they've ever been everywhere else it is bad like the product is bad and I'm going to talk about it with the Survivor Series a little later on because this this might be the least important Survivor Series ever and that's saying something but it's like, it's like uh, Brian, who's been on the show before. He he said this to me before, and and it's starting to kind of ring true nowadays. It's like, if I was a wrestler, I don't want to work for WWE. I would rather go anywhere else but WWE right now. And it's a, it's more and more starting to be like, you know, that's not a bad idea. And you know why? Because there are other options. There's New Japan, there's AEW, there's Impact, there's MLW, uh, there's Mexico. There's so many other places. And really, anywhere is a good place to go if you get released from WWE. It, it really, really is. So, we will see in 90 days where they go, the people that were released. Now, let's talk about AEW Full Gear. I'm going to say it right off the bat. This might have been the show of the year. This, honest to goodness, might have been the best wrestling show I have seen all year. And I thought All Out was pretty damn good. This was even better. And you're going to hear it in my grades. You're going to hear it in my reviews. Um, just how good of a show this was. So, gonna talk about the matches, and then I'm gonna mention one thing that did happen on the pay-per-view, and I'll give my thoughts on it in a little while. So, the opening match is the pre- or is the buy-in match. It is Nyla Rose and Jamie Hayter against Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa, it was a decent match. It was a good match. Honestly, I'm just going to say it right now. Probably the worst match on the show, but not because it was bad. It, it, it wasn't a bad match. It was just everything else on this card was absolutely amazing. It really was. Just a good women's tag match. It, you know, it's one of those matches that probably could have been done on Dynamite. Could have been done on Rampage. Um, but in the end, Sheeta and Thunder Rosa got the win, and they won the tag match. I was going to say they advanced in the tournament, but <laughs> there's no tournament. I mean, they're in the TBS tournament, but, um, you know what? I gave this a C-. minus. It was a good match, but nothing I would go crazy over. Meltzer gave it two and a half stars. 
So the next match, and this is where the pay-per-view begins, is MJF against Darby Allen. Holy cow, what a match this was. This was a fantastic wrestling match. And I'm, I'm going to say this. If you were on the fence about either one of these guys, I don't know how you could not be off the fence after this match. A phenomenal match between these two. Even though JR at one point called MJF one of the four pillows. Yes, he did say pillows of AEW. One of my favorite spots in this match, MJF has Darby Allen. He's going to do a powerbomb, but when he does the powerbomb, he drops him onto his knee. It was like a powerbomb backbreaker, which I'd never seen before, and it was really well done. I really liked it, and it only got a two count. A good back-and-forth match. It was all over the place, but it was wonderfully done. And then we get to the end where Wardlow and Sean Spears try to get involved, but Sting comes out. He beats the both of them up. The ref gets distracted. So MGF goes to the outside to get Darby's skateboard. He gets it in the ring. The ref sees it. MJF pushes the skateboard to Darby. And he's like, come on, hit me. Hit me. I dare you to hit me. And Darby wants to do it, but decides not to do it. And he pushes the skateboard away, and then MJF hits Darby with the with the ring, and then he grabs Darby, uses a side headlock, and pins him in the middle of the ring. MJF had said before the match he was going to win the match with a headlock takeover, and that's exactly what he did Loved this match. I gave it a B plus. Meltzer gave it four and a half stars. Then we go to the AEW tag team title match. FTR challenging uh, the Lucha Brothers. This was another good match. This was another good match. A good tag match. And you could tell that the two teams have worked together for a while, you know, they've done this before, you're going to get good chemistry out of them. The only thing I didn't like was the ending of the match where FTR is on the outside and they both grab masks. They're kind of doing the old Killer Bees trick. If you if you kids don't know what I'm talking about, go to YouTube, look up Killer Bees and uh, you'll see what I'm talking about. So, it's Cash, no, yeah, it is Cash. Cash goes in the ring. The champs think it's Dax Harwood. And Cash ends up getting pinned when Dax was actually the legal man in the ring. The ending just kind of fell flat for me, but I didn't take it away, you know, take it too much away from the match. Uh, Lucha Brothers retained. I gave it a B. Meltzer gave it four and a quarter stars. Then we go to the finals of the World Title Eliminator Tournament. Miro against Brian Danielson. Oh my god, this was just 
a brawl. This was a brawl. It was two guys just beating the crap out of each other. And it was really good. Back and forth. Told a really good story. And Brian, you know, went for the neck of Miro. And he ended up putting, you know, uh, a guillotine on Miro. And Miro just couldn't take it. And Brian wins. He's now the number one contender for the AEW world title. A really good match. Uh, I gave this an A minus. I I enjoyed the match. Meltzer gave it four and a half stars. Then we go to what would have been, I think, on any other pay per view, the match of the night. It is the Young Bucks and Adam Cole against Jurassic Express and Christian Cage. No DQs. False count anywhere in the building. This was incredible. This was an incredible match. And you just had to follow everybody and everything. And it all made sense. Nothing cheap about it. Nothing terrible about it. And then you get a story within the match where Christian wants Jungle Boy to do the concerto. And Jungle Boy just can't pull himself to do it and there's so many incredible spots it's an amazing match it's a fantastic match and then you get to the end of the match where they're all on the rampway they're all on the stage they're fighting and Adam Cole and I I want to say it was Matt Jackson got thrown off and then here's Nick he's lying there Christian's gonna do the concerto but Jungle Boy, you know, was like, let me do it. So he grabs the chair. He lifts it up. He looks to the sky. You know, he's talking to his dad. And he hits him. He hits Nick or Matt. I, I always get the two confused. Um, with the concerto. That gets the three count. An amazing match. This crowd loved this match. This was a terrific match to watch. I gave this an A minus. Actually, no, I'm going to change it to an A. It's it gets an A for me. Meltzer gave this five stars, and I have no problem with that. I really don't have a problem with that. Then we go to the cool down portion of the pay-per-view where it is Pack and Cody Rhodes against Andrade and Malachi Black. This was the only one that I really couldn't get into and I'm not and the guys did their best. They really did. They tried their best. I just couldn't get into it probably because of the previous match. But the story being told was at first Pack and Cody Rhodes can't get along. And then a little later in the match, Andrade and Malachi seemed to not get along. And Arn Anderson gets involved with Andrade's um, assistant, Jose, I believe is his name. Um, And Pac is able to get the Poison Rana and then the Black Arrow onto Andrade to get the victory. Like I said, I... 
really couldn't get into this match, but again, you know, it's probably because of what the last match was. So I gave this a C. This is probably another one that could have been on Dynamite, but, you know, not going to really make a big deal of it. Um, Meltzer gave it four and a quarter stars. That's the rating he gave that match. Then we go to the AEW women's title match, Ty Conti against Britt Baker. Ty Conti looked very good in this match. I enjoyed the match, and she was kind of a one-woman machine for a while, you know, fighting off Britt, fighting off Rebel, fighting off Jamie Hayter. She was doing everything she could. There were a couple times where she got a near fall or two, but just couldn't put it away. And Britt was able to get the lockjaw, and Conti was able to reverse it to try to get a pin, and she almost got the three count. And then Baker couldn't really get the lockjaw in, so she got another, you know, like cradle pin of her own to get the three count and the victory to retain the women's title. It was kind of an expected, you know, result Baker to win, but the match was good. I, I enjoyed the match. Uh, I gave it a C plus. Meltzer gave it three and a half stars. I did not think it was that bad of a match. Then we go to Eddie Kingston against CM Punk. Loved, loved this match, especially the way it begins. Kingston comes to the ring first, and then Punk comes in, and you know they're kind of facing each other, you know, eye to eye, and then Eddie Kingston just does a back fist to CM Punk, knocks him out before the bell could even ring, and the announcers are like, why did he do that? He could have won the match if he had waited, and this is just a straight fight between the two, and it's so good, so well done. Um, It's one of those matches where if they said it's going to happen again, I would watch it. It's that good of a match. Um, just a good, straight-up fight between the two men. Punk, you know, was able to hit two go-to-sleeps, and the second one is what did Eddie Kingston in. Punk got the win. After the match, Punk, you know, was putting his hand out for a handshake, and Eddie Kingston left without shaking the hand, which, you know, is pretty cool because you can continue that for a while um i'm gonna change my grade on this i had it at a b minus i'm gonna give it a b i'm gonna give it a b uh melter gave it four and a half stars then we go to the 10-man minneapolis street fight with the inner circle against men of the year and america's top team or american top team or whatever it was Kind of had a weird beginning where you had to tag the people in. That didn't make sense to me, but eventually they did, you know, start brawling, start fighting. And the thing that the announcers pointed out during the match was how all the weapons that were being used were all. You know, things that were made, that were created in Minnesota. Which is like, okay, sure, we'll go with that. 
So, you know, there's stuff all over the place. And then we get this great part in the match where Ethan Page is talking away at Jake Hager's wife. Not realizing who was standing next to her. Standing next to her was the legendary Baron Von Raschke. Right there to put the claw on Ethan Page to a tremendous pop. And it was so cool because uh, Von Raschke got an introduction before the match. You know, being praised as a legend, which he is a legend. And he looks great for his age. He really does. And Baron getting involved, you know, putting the claw on was really cool. And then we get to the end where uh, Adam Lam- or Dan Lambert, almost said Adam Lambert, the singer. Yeah, the singer was in the match. Dan Lambert is in his ridiculous exercise gear. He's celebrating, thinking I'm the only one left. And Jericho comes in, beats him up, hits a frog splash. Jericho is able to get the win. For the inner circle, putting an end to the rivalry. Um, I originally had it at a B. I'm gonna give it a B minus. You know, um, it was fun. It was kind of just like, well, okay, it is what it is. Um, Meltzer gave it four stars. Then we go to the main event, AEW World Title. Kenny Omega defending against Adam... Oh, actually, hold on. Before we get to that, um, after the 10-man, it was announced that Jay Lethal is at All Elite. He challenges Sammy Guevara for the TV title, which happened on Wednesday. Pardon me. Which happened on Wednesday. was a pretty good match. So, it looks like Jay Lethal is in AEW. So, now to the main event. Adam Page challenging Kenny Omega for the world title. This is what everybody's been waiting for, you know. And it's a tremendous match. Don Callis gets involved early and often, and it was very good, very well done. And for a while, it is all Kenny Omega. Omega is beating up on Page. But Page manages to make a comeback. And he keeps going. You know, they're fighting back and forth. They're doing everything they can. And then we get to a point in the match where Omega is on a table. Adam Page climbs the top rope, hits this elbow drop, and they go through the table. And then Page rolls Omega in. And he's about to do the buckshot lariat. (laughs) So... He does the flip, and as he's going for the clothesline part, Omega pulls the referee in front of him, and the referee takes the blow of the buckshot lariat, and everybody is down. And then, you know, uh, uh, Paige does another move, and here comes another referee, Aubrey Edwards. She comes running into the ring. She makes a count. One. Two, kick out. Adam Page couldn't get the three count. And then we go a little bit further into the match. And Omega tries for a move. But Adam Page reverses it. And he lifts Omega up. And Adam Page hits the one-winged angel on Omega. 
when you're together for so long, you know their moves. He goes for the pin. One, two. Omega kicks out. Omega's the master of the one-winged angel. How could he not kick out? And then we see the young bucks limping their way towards ringside. Adam Page told the bucks the night before on Rampage, if you get involved in this match, you will regret it for the rest of your lives. So, um, so Page goes onto the apron. He takes a look at one of the young bucks. One of them moves a little bit and does nothing. Buckshot Lariat. Then Page goes to the other side. Here's the other young buck. He's looking at him eye to eye, raises his hands, and he's like, just do it. Just go and do it. Hits the second buckshot lariat. One, two, three. Adam Page wins the world title in an amazing match. An incredible match. It was so worth it. Um, I'm going to change my grade again just because I really love this match. I'm going to give it an A+. It was the best match on the show. And here's the other thing. And I, and I didn't realize it until the next day. And I, I was watching something. That match was a 25-minute match. It did not feel like 25 minutes. And that's a compliment to both men who, you know, to, to any guy, any wrestlers, if you could do a match that long and the fan is like, that didn't feel like it, then you've done your job. You've done your job. A-plus for me. Meltzer gave it five and a half stars. It was the perfect way to end this pay-per-view. Like I said, it's probably the best pay-per-view of the year. I, I really think this is the best pay-per-view of the entire year. So, we're going to go to the Facebook group and see what they thought of the pay-per-view. Uh, start with, what grade would you give this show? I'm giving it an A. 80% of our group gave this show an A. 20% gave it a B, which, again, I won't argue with you on that. Um, just a terrific show all the way around. Just a terrific show. Best match, oh my god, like, like I said, if it had been any other pay-per-view, it would have been Cole and the Bucks and Christian and Jurassic Express. But that main event, my god, what a main event that was. Fantastic, that's going to get my vote. And 63% went with that as their favorite match of the pay-per-view. And then we had a tie, and again, you could go so many ways with this. MJF against Darby Allen, and then CM Punk and Eddie Kingston each got 18% of the votes. Again, you could go so many ways with this card. You would not have an argument for me. Not at all. Just a terrific show. If you haven't seen it, find a way. Find a way to get... Find a way to watch the show. You will not regret it. I truly think it is the best pay-per-view of the entire year. That's how good the show was. So now we go from one pay-per-view to another. 
because this Sunday night is the Survivor Series, and normally I'd, I'd be excited. It's the Survivor Series. You know, it's that time of the year. But WWE has done a shit-tacular job of hyping this pay-per-view. It really feels like the least important Survivor Series I have ever witnessed in my life. I mean, it is that's how bad the hype for the build-up to Survivor Series has been. So, I'm going to go through the matches. I'm going to give you guys my predictions as to who will win these matches at Survivor Series. So, I will start off with... Uh, is it... Oh, I, I know the... Oh, here we go. Here's the card. So, the first one I'll do is Damian Priest, the United States Champion, against Shensuke Nakamura, the Intercontinental Champion. Uh, should be a pretty good match. I mean, on paper, this looks like a pretty good match. I'm going to go with Damian Priest to win only because Shinsuke's had some problems with different wrestlers as of late. So I'm going to say Priest to win. Then we have the battle of the tag team champions. RK-Bro against the Usos. Again, should be another good match. This should be another good match. I'm going to take the Usos to win that match. Uh, just feels like they should win that match, and they probably will. Now we go to the Women's Survivor Series Elimination Match. So, here are the teams. For Raw, it is Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, Liv Morgan, Carmella, and Queen Zelina. SmackDown is Sasha Banks, Shotzi Blackheart, Shayna Baszler, Natalia, and just announced within the last 24 hours, the newest team member, Tony Storm. So now that we know that Tony Storm is involved in the match, I, I don't know. I, I think SmackDown will win the match. I think the survivors of the match will be Sasha and Shotzi. That's my guess. Sasha Banks and Shotzi will be the survivors of that match. Now, with the men, that's become a story of its own. Raw consists of Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, Austin Theory, and Bobby Lashley. SmackDown is Drew McIntyre, King Woods, Jeff Hardy, Happy Corbin, and as of this recording a partner to be announced later. I have no idea who the fifth member is going to be. I have no idea. As far as the match, I see Raw winning this match, and Seth will be the survivor. 
He will be the only one that survives that match. Then we've got the battle of the women's champions, Becky Lynch against Charlotte Flair. This is the one where I think something is going to happen. Becky is going to win that match. Becky will win that match. I know, you know, the whole thing like, oh, never bet against Charlotte, but I I, I really think Charlotte's kind of in a bad place right now. So I'm going to say Becky wins. And finally, Big E against Roman Reigns. Uh, I'm going to go with Roman. I, I just, it would be cool for Big E to win, but I just can't see them letting Roman lose. I really can't. It just I don't I don't know. I'm gonna say Roman wins. So those are my predictions for the Survivor series. We'll see if they go right. Uh one last piece of news to report before uh wrap it up. This just came across a little earlier. Uh it is being reported that Kenny Omega will be getting multiple surgeries and is now out of his December 4th AAA Mega Title Defense against El Hijo del Vikingo at Triple Mania Regia. Uh, this was reported in the newest edition of the Observer Newsletter. Omega was unsure as of yesterday what the course of action would be to heal a variety of injuries he has been working through. Uh, Dave Meltzer says that Omega will be getting surgeries on his shoulder, knee, and abdomen and is evaluating a septum surgery as well. He has been working with a torn labrum and an abdominal hernia for months. Um, as far as what AAA will do with the Mega title, we'll have to just wait and see. Well, uh, let's get into the plugs before we wrap up the show for this week. If you guys have any questions or comments, send an email, wrestlingman at wrestlingshow.com. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at wrestlingshow11. Follow us on Instagram, that wrestling show. Join our Facebook group. It is that wrestling show fan group. You type that in the search bar and you are right there. Join almost 500 people from around the world to discuss Pro wrestling. Now to the podcast that you guys should check out, you know, some friends of the show and other shows you should check out, starting with our vantage point with Joe Morata and Michael Quinn. This week in the Didn't Work in New York segment, they discuss the fabulous Freebirds, plus week four of the Royal Rankings of the Best WWF Pay-Per-Views, and they review an episode of WWF Superstars from November 1991. That is this week on Superstars. This week on Juice Pro Wrestling, they interview Gringo Loco as he discusses his pro wrestling and living his dream, the DJ group he has created, and much, much more. That is this week on Juice Pro Wrestling. If you're looking for non-wrestling-related podcasts, check out the Best Pick Movie Podcast with Tom, John, and Jess. This week, they are joined by special guest Matthias Carvalho as they discuss the movie Babyface. That is this week on the Best Pick Movie Podcast. Also, check out The Castle Vault. This week, they discuss 
Doctor Strange that is this week on the Castle Vault. On Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, they are joined behind or they are joined by Kevin McKee and Rob Lenz who came out with a Weird Al related book. It is called Dear John Emails to a Drummer that is this week on Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. Escape from Vault Disney, they have a little mini-sode this week where uh, where they talk about the state of the parks and the newly announced makeover of Mickey's Toontown that is on Escape from Vault Disney. And check out the Three Stooges throwback with Gabe Russo where this time he discusses violent is the word for curly. That is this week on the Three Stooges throwback. Also, check out Bill Learns Kingdom Hearts with myself and Jim Boy Star as we go through in the second season Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories. And finally, check out Shark's Pond, a South Park podcast where I watch and discuss each and every South Park episode. This week, I wrap up season 13 of South Park with the season finale, P. Yep, that's right, P. That is this week on Shark's Pond, a South Park podcast. All right, next time on that wrestling show, going to review the Survivor Series, give you guys my overall thoughts on the event, plus going to get into some wrestling news and much more. Until next week, hope you guys have a wonderful week. It is Thanksgiving this Thursday, so happy Thanksgiving to all of you guys, the listeners. And after you're done eating the turkey, the mashed potatoes, the stuffing, the pumpkin pie, the peanut butter pie, come back next week for another episode of That Wrestling Show, the podcast where all pro wrestling matters. And as always, wrestle on and have a happy Thanksgiving.